Boston Sports Syndicate. We're back. This is Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Bill Travers, and we've been away for a little while. We had some scheduling issues, but now we are back, and we are ready to talk some Red Sox baseball. I'm joined once again by Chris Henrik. Good afternoon, guys. Chris, thanks for coming back. And Mr. Brock Holt of the syndicate, Matt DeRosha. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good. Can I still be the Brock Holt? Is he going to be around next year? You know, I was going to ask you that question. If he ends up moving on, will you be the Marco Hernandez, maybe, of the syndicate? doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, I think we'll have to – it'll be a TBD type situation. I have to see exactly who performs and whose name and whose moniker I want to take on. Maybe we can move you into a bigger role. Maybe we can give you a full-time starting job. Ooh. Ooh. A Bobby Dahlbach role, perhaps? Well, well no, we'll have could, to talk about it. Could be, could be. Have to see how things shake out. So, guys, it's it's been about a month and a half since we last got together to talk some Red Sox, and quite a few things have happened since then. So I just want to dive right in, uh, if you guys are ready. Go. Absolutely. All right. So as none of us predicted, the Washington Nationals won the World Series <laughs> in really amazing fashion uh, for, for a World Series to happen with a team not winning a single home game. It was unprecedented once it got to game five. I mean, never mind an, right. entire, never mind an entire seven-game series. So, you know, watching – the Nationals go through the playoffs and then eventually winning the World Series. I just kept thinking this should have been the Red Sox. This could have been the Red Sox because they were in about the same place around the trade deadline. And and the Nationals went out and made a move. They brought in Daniel Hudson to shore up their mm-hmm. bullpen. Their bullpen had been horrendous coming into uh, into that point of the season. They went out and made a move. The Red Sox didn't. And then they went on to win the World Series. What are your thoughts on that? You know, if you actually look back at the trade deadline, they made more than one move at the bullpen. Not a lot of them stuck to the playoff roster, but they traded for four or five bullpen arms and just said, we're going to take a shotgun approach. Someone's got to be good. And it was Daniel Hudson. Yeah, and, and Daniel Hudson was was a trade target to the Red Sox. I mean, within, within the division they could have made, but Dombrowski sat on his hands and we got to watch the Nationals win the World Series. And now Dombrowski's out of a job. That's a shame. Mm. little coincidence, maybe. Could be. But, you know, I, I think they were just a team that, you know, sometimes for these things, everything just happen, has to happen right. team has to gel at the right time. And that and that's what's happened with them. You know, and that, oh, was, yeah. that absolutely wasn't happening with the Red Sox. Maybe they didn't want it as much because they had won the year before. Yeah, there's definitely a certain hunger factor that goes into every playoff run. And they all have their magic moments, and it was definitely the Nationals' time to have some magic moments. They had late, late ending home runs by their studs. It was a great run for the for the Washington team. Yeah, timely hitting. I mean, they reminded me a lot of the 2018 Red Sox. And even just the thought of the fact that they did it without Bryce Harper. You know, the fact that Bryce is watching at home, watching the Nationals win the World, uh, win the World Series is just... They did all the right things, and then they have a good nucleus still. I mean, they're going to have to shore up and see what they'll do with Rendon in this offseason. And Strasburg. And Strasburg, correct. 
But has anybody seen Bryce or heard from Bryce since uh, the Nationals won? I don't know. Didn't he call this in his own presser? Didn't he, he did. call that the title was he going did. to be in D.C.? Yeah, I don't think he meant to do that. He said he wanted to bring a title back to D.C., so I, I guess he, he did in a way. He should just lean into it and just call himself the baseball Nostradamus. <laughs> I thought you had – oh, you're a Nostradamus. Yeah, I am Nostradamus. Oh, you know, I got to do a Nostradamus soon for the free agent uh, in baseball because I like doing those articles. There you go. So the other the other thought that I had watching the Nationals win the World Series and the correlation to the Red Sox was, you know, you saw so many teams this year that use the formula of building up their bullpen. The Red Sox went a different way. They built up their starting pitchers. When it came down to the World Series, both the Nationals and the Astros were both teams that were built around a starting, the starting pitchers. So my, my question to both of you, we know it didn't work out, but was that the correct approach for the Red Sox? I'm going to go to you, Chris, first. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, you know, when you think about baseball and you take a look at teams that have won, you can never have enough pitching. The Red Sox just they just did not have enough pitching. You know, you, you look at the rotation on paper. If you were to say I'm going to go into the season with with Price, Sale, Evaldi, yeah, that looks good. But none of them none of them were healthy. And then when it came time, the guys couldn't get past five or six innings. Came down to the bullpen, and there was nothing there, you know. And then the Nationals, what they did is, is they they shored up that bullpen, which is what the Sox should have done, and we wouldn't be in that position all season long. But I, I don't, I you can never have enough pitching, and I think that you need to have a solid starting rotation, and I still think that's a good route to go. And I think the pitching, if healthy, is is there. We just they need to get arms in that bullpen to shore up that seventh, eighth, ninth. So you can never predict injuries. No. So so I, I guess my question was, did they have the right approach of of building their team around the starting pitching? And I and I think you agreed with me. He's, yeah, he's, and, he's nodding his head yes for the for the okay. who yeah. can't see us, which is everybody. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Uh I think the approach is right. I think maybe that they didn't add if they would have added starters or relievers. The the trick is to get to the playoffs, and then you're seeing I think more and more the bullpen pitching game is coming positionless. It's just who can we use in what situations to get out. So I don't I th- I like their approach. It's just I think that they were so stale at the deadline. Andrew Cashner ended up being the only move that they made. I think that the approach was there. They just didn't execute the way they probably should have. Right. Yeah. No. Agreed. I I don't disagree with that. But I, you know, I, I think that the teams who did build up their bullpen, like the Yankees, you know, they, they just loaded their bullpen and they kind of ignored that. Well, they did bring in, uh, what's his name? Here I go. This is my first, can't think of his name of the, uh, of the podcast. Uh, the left-hander they brought in from, uh, Seattle. Oh, Paxton. 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 Yes. So they, they did bring in him, but other than that, they really didn't do much with their starting pitching. I think you need a balance, though, you know. Oh, I, obviously. Yeah. You know, you can't go you can't go top heavy and then you can't go bottom heavy in the bullpen. You need to have that balance. And the year they won the World Series, it, even though the bullpen was iffy throughout the season, it, it felt pretty balanced. You know, this year there was a bunch of just no name, and I'm not saying you need to have named players, but a lot of just no name guys that just couldn't execute get the job done. And especially in the playoffs, it seems starters if if they go more than four innings, it's like a major story for the game. Oh yeah. You know, the way the game has gone. I mean, they, you don't want your starter going through the lineup more than twice. 
you know, with the analytics being what they are, once the starter, you know, once once a hitter sees a, a pitcher for the third time around, how the numbers dramatically go up. So it, it just seems like once you get to that third time through, and, and A.J. Hinch, I think, got bitten by that in Game 7. Um, who was the starter? That was Granky. A, Granky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he went into the seventh inning. You know, Granky, but he was cruising. He was cruising, yeah. But, you know, the the least sign you know the smallest sign of trouble and and he was yanked out yeah he well he gave up the home run and then he walked the next batter and i think aj hinch went right to the bullpen went after to, that yeah went to the bullpen and then then all hell broke loose and had garrett cole all out there and warmed up and chose not to use him nope went with will harris how did that work out for him <laughs> Oof, howie kendrick loved it that's for sure so anything more on the world series before we move on to the other doings with the Red Sox? Any any other thoughts on the playoffs in general? So much for us uh, dubbing Houston a wagon. I think that was me. The BSS curse of the wagon. I I wanted the Astros to win the World Series. So I, I love the way they're built. I mean, now with all the conspiracy and everything around them now, but I just like the way they build the team. No, they they are a solid team, and and they well, I mean, they how long? How many years in a row did they lose 100 games? It was like so they four could get years. To this point. So you, you mentioned the scandal that's going on, and uh, you know, and that has a Red Sox tie as well. So I, I think we should talk about that a little bit. So in case you haven't heard, uh, word came out that the Astros did some cheating. Hard to believe people were trying to steal signs in in baseball, but um, you know, there it's alleged that they used the camera to steal catcher signals and that they would relay signals to the batter so he would know what pitch was coming. Uh, this allegedly happened in the 2017 World Series. Uh, if if you haven't heard some of the video, it's pretty apparent what was going on. Um, so, and the tie-in to the Red Sox is Alex Cora was their bench coach, and allegedly he had something to do with the plan. So, got, what are your thoughts on whether they did that or not, and how much do you think it affected the game? And secondly, what do you think, if any, there will be any ramifications or suspensions or anything coming down for Cora? Uh, well, I don't – see, I don't think there will be a huge thing for Cora. I don't know exactly what his role was with it, but he was the bench coach, so it could be pretty high. So maybe a suspension for him. Overall, I think all teams do certain things. Um seems like the Astros, this video that makes it pretty clear that they were doing something when the off speed was coming. There was a clear uh, bang, like a tr- like on a, on the wall or on the dugout, whatever it was. But it's pretty clear that they were doing something. Um, I actually saw something today by a uh, fan graphs writer that goes by Jason Collette. He did a split of home and roads for a swinging strike rate, whiff rate, chase rate. No, the, the numbers don't say that there was a clear benefit from the, the trash can bumping, but it does sound like MLB is going to come down with the uh, the hammer on them. I've seen certain reports saying that it could be the most substantial uh, penalization to a franchise sports has seen in a long time. Well, they let the Red Sox walk a little bit uh, with the Apple Watch incident. Right. You know, And there, there have been some others, too, that they've kind of looked the other way, so... I think it's I think it's time they need to make an example out of somebody, but you know right. Matt, you brought up a, a I, I actually did some research myself just looking at the team OPS and their one loss record at home. So I went back to 2017, 
And in 2017, the Astros, they had an 8-12 OPS at home, which was good for fifth in the league. But on the road, they were 8-34, and they were tops in the league. Mm-hmm. So if they were cheating at home, they weren't doing a very good job of it because they, yeah. they had a better OPS they, on the road. Or they had a more sophisticated cheating system on the road. Uh, I don't know how they got in there with their cameras. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? And, and their uh, win-loss splits, they were 48-33 and 33 at home and 53-28 and 28 on the road. Right. The numbers don't show that cheating no. really benefited them. But there is a there is a case to be made that they were cheating. And if MLB wants to make an example and to put the kibosh on it, they may use this chance. Chris, what are your thoughts? Stealing signs has been something that's been part of baseball for how long now? Years, years, years. Ever. Ever. You know what I mean? So, I mean, in Little League, you know, playing Little League and just – you know, being taught to try to figure out what the pitcher is going to throw. Now, if you're going to use electronics for it, especially at home, that gives you the upper hand, you know, with the you know, as the home team. But the first thing that kind of infuriates me with this whole thing is when the Astros pitcher uh, fires, who yep. who's now with Oakland, who he was willing to take the World Series ring after being, you know, with the Astros and accepting his ring. It wasn't a big deal then, but now it's a big deal now. Yeah. Now, you know, let, let's talk about it. Let's let's have all this dialogue and talk about how it was wrong. But yet you were you, you were completely content in taking your World Series ring. And even all these guys, like, it, why not say something then? If it was such a big deal, why not say something then? If you're if you're so concerned about the integrity of the game, then someone should have said something then. Yeah. And that's, that's why. That's such a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and that's why I and yeah, there should be a penalty. There should be something to at least say, hey, you know what? We're not going to allow this moving forward, especially with electronics and just the way the world is evolving in that in that aspect of it. But again, these players that are on these teams that knew what was happening, they're not exempt, in my opinion, like from from the managers part, from Cora, from Beltron, everything else. Now, really quick with the Cora piece. Between reading things on social media about Cora, enough with let's fire Alex Cora about all this. You know what I mean? These are the same Red Sox fans who are Patriot fans who, if you would have said let's fire Bill Belichick about all of the scandals the Patriots had, would be just like an atrocity around here. So, like, I, I don't want to hear any more of this let's fire Alex Cora. You know what I mean? Those Let, are probably the same people who wanted him fired for not making the playoffs this year. So, and right. using this is another excuse. Let MLB what they should do with Cora. If you're going to do anything, find them, move on, and then enough, just let's focus on what the Red Sox are going to do with their team moving forward. It just, this whole thing, you know what I mean? Like, they did it. It is what it is. But what really bothers me is, like, what I first talked about, is that all these players, they were willing to take their rings, but wouldn't say anything, but now they want to say something? That that bothers me. And do we really think it was just the Astros that were doing this? I mean, we know the Red Sox were doing something. Now, allegedly, the Astros were doing something. The Blue Jays, it's been alleged, have been doing it for years at mm-hmm. home. And, and you see this everywhere now. Even even the home teams, the catchers are giving multiple signals to the pitcher. It's not just putting down one finger for a fastball, putting down two for a curve. You know, you see them giving a sequence of signals when there are no runners on base. Yeah, so, from pitch one. Right. So, obviously, they suspect something is going on. Yeah, and, and the Nationals, going into the World Series, there was an article that I read that they 
had an idea, no kidding, they had an idea that there was, you know, the potential that there could be some sign stealing, and they changed up their signals multiple times during those games. Here's the problem with that, though, is if you don't do anything and you continue to let it go, the pace of play, and I, I don't mind sitting right. and watching a good baseball game and sitting there for four hours, but there are people that just can't do it. Yeah. Um, the pace of play is just going to go up. And, and then that overall, the overall, I, I think, fan, the, what the fans are going to want out of baseball, it's going to turn people away. So MLB needs to do something, but, excuse me, to it, it's going to affect a lot. Yeah, you know, that's the other side of the coin is, is the pace of play. You know, because right. they, now, now you got the catcher and the pitcher. They have to take a time off. They have to make sure they're same on, on the same page. They have the rules that, that you can only have so many mound visits, but still – the pitcher stepping stepping off, and you know they're they're communicating long distance, um, you know on on their pitch sequence. And the other thing that I saw quite a bit this year, more so than in other years, is how many times catchers were getting crossed up with pitches. And I got to believe that's all part of it with the, with the sequencing. Is you know they weren't on the same page as to what sequence they were using, so the catcher right. got surprised by what pitch was thrown. Yeah, if there's more complicated signaling, then obviously there's a better chance of kind of getting screwed up and having one slip. So do you, either of you think that there'll be a suspension com- possibly coming down for Alex Cora? Uh, I think Chris was right along the lines of more of a fine because they're not going to come after the franchise, so it's not going to be anything crazy. I don't think a suspension – well, and with one asterisk, I guess if it, he was the mastermind behind it, there will be a suspension. But if he was just part of it, I'd see a fine. Yeah, I think, you know, as more starts to evolve around this, you know, we start hearing if there was more to it and and it was more evolved and Alex Cora had, again, mastermind behind or he was I then, okay, you know, let, let's talk about a suspension. But, you know, fine. But he's not the only one, too. I mean, Beltron, you know, the new Mets manager, right. he was involved with it as well. I mean, there's so many layers to this whole thing. I think A.J. Hinch, you're the manager of that baseball team. You need to know what's happening. You knew that was happening. He's the one that needs to take the, the, you know, the, the severe fine and or suspension. And then you need to go after the front office. And then, you know, from there, do you go after draft picks? You know, what what does money do? Money's money. You know what I mean? Like these teams have money. That I don't think that's going to really do anything. I think you got to go after where it will hurt the Astros the most. And that's with their player development and or whether you go after international money whether you go after draft picks, that'll stop it to an extent. But then they're going to they're figure another way to go ahead and get those signs. Mm-hmm. But just you got to go after where it'll hurt. You know, how how dirty are the Astros turning out to look? I mean, they had the thing with one of their assistant GMs um, saying, you know, denigrating things to a, to a female sports writer. Um, they had the issue a few years ago with hacking into the card. Was it? Did they hack into the Cardinals? No, it was, it was the other. No, way. It was all the way around. Them, yeah, oh, all right. all right, all right. Never mind. They're not dirty then. They're, but it was one of their. Fine. It was one of their guys that was part of that organization. He went to the Cardinals. Yeah. So you know, if they were the Patriots, the whole country would be hating them right now. Hmm. But they only won one World Series, so. Right, and they lost to the to kind of like the Cinderella story of baseball. Right, and and if they were still stealing signs, it sure as hell didn't work because they lost all four of their home games in the, <laughs> yeah, in the World Series. You know, one more thing, one more thought with Corey is, you know, he came to um, the Red Sox and they had probably the I think the best home record in baseball last year. So did he bring that system with him? And if if he did, did they use it last year because they had a below five hundred record at home? 
They did. They did a real poor job with it. <laughs> they did this this past year. <laughs> Makes you think. I don't know. Do you guys remember hearing any uh, drum beats inside the dugout? No, no, don't. Don't remember hearing any drum beats or anything like that. But I can't recall any banging either. No. I, you really can't hear anything over Dave O'Brien spouting stats every two seconds. Anyway, so <laughs> can't get too much uh, too much of the crowd noise or the ambience of the park. So, guys, we ready to move on and talk about the new chief baseball officer of the yes. Red Sox. Uh, Dave Dombrowski's replacement, Chaim Bloom. And I think I probably butchered his name before before we brought him in because I, I remember everybody did I think I think we did but I, I think I probably referred to him as Chaim when I didn't know that much about him but um, you know one of the worst kept secrets he ends up getting the job uh, an interesting choice I think given his background he's the anti Dombrowski so it, it seems like the owners have decided to go in a totally different direction bringing in somebody like uh, Bloom you know who worked for Tampa Bay for all those years, and you know they go with value because they don't have the payroll to go around. So, do you guys think this was a good move for the Red Sox? I love it. I so when we were last podcast, we were talking about some names, you know, and and he wasn't in the conversation what we talked about. Um, what I like about is you just take a look at what Tampa Bay has done with limited resources. They build their team through player development. They build it through the draft. And they have a scouting team that finds players on rosters that are either blocked by other players or with all this analytics that they have with their team. You know, the Red Sox don't have a very big uh, team that focuses on analytics. So that I, I would, you know, that I think is going to change. But I think. Bringing in a guy that is going to be able to manage a smaller market team, and I think the Red Sox are going to do that the next couple of years with how their payroll is is kind of currently you know set up with these contracts that they have. I think it's a good fit, and it's a refreshing. It's kind of it's going to be refreshing from what we're used to. You know, Dombrowski has that history of where when he builds a team, it's he builds that team that's going he's going to trade all the young players, he's going to trade all those prospects. Where it's going to be a flip side, I think, with Bloom. I think you're going to see where they're going to they're going to have a decent product on the field, but then they're going to build through the system, similar to the Dodgers, similar to even the Nationals, for you know another example there. Matt, what do you think about that? Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think he is going to be a breath of fresh air for this organization. Something he talked about quite a bit in his presser was how he wanted to build a sustainable franchise. And sustainability isn't just winning now; it isn't winning later. It's competing forever and he he was able to build that in a very unique way down in tampa bay because they don't have the resources and like like chris says they did it through the draft and through crafty signings and good trades being sensible that with their money uh i think he's going to come in he's going to give them exactly what they're looking for which is an analytic approach uh rumor has it he's been calling all former red sox to try to get you know the vibe of the franchise, he just seems to be saying and doing the right things, and I think that's going to lead to some fireworks in the offseason, but it's going to lead to a good product on the field as well. Before we get into talking about what possible moves they might make, do you think that Red Sox fans are ready for that? Do you think that if the Red Sox go through this offseason and it sure looks like they're not going to do any big-name free agent signing, and they may even trade some players away, and that may go on for a couple of years, do you think 
the red, you know, the rank and file Red Sox fan can do that. And do you think ownership will panic if the Nesson ratings start to go down? I, no, I, yeah. I, I, I think that they can. The the common fan they may hate it at first, but to be honest, I don't care because they will come back when it's when they're good on the field. Tampa Bay Rays put more fans in the seats when they're good, and that's the worst fan base in all of sports. It's about winning. It's about getting players on the field, and this guy, he's going to take the right steps to do it. So if you know the common Red Sox fan wants to, to, to hate on it, I think they're just being short-sighted because I think he's going he's gonna to change it around for the long term too. Wait, I get, I get distracted there for a second. Did you say Tampa Bay Rays fans showed up to the games? No, no, not, to, not to, when they were winners. When they were in the playoffs. <laughs> in the playoffs, they, they had fans, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They were winners. And that's the worst team in all of all the sports. So if they if winning can get those bums to the field, <laughs> okay, just good, just sustainable success will get everyone to Fenway. Is my general point. I, I just remember some of those, you know, that uh, September yeah. series that the Red Sox played there, and it was like you could actually hear individual conversations in the crowd <laughs> because there were so few people there. <laughs> they couldn't do the cheating system because everyone would have heard the drumbeat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on if Red Sox fans are ready for this type of approach? I'm going to say, as a whole, probably not. I, I think you, it's too. If you were to break up Red Sox fans into two separate groups, you have a group of Sox fans who maybe have like our mindset of where we're going to be open-minded to what the new approach is, and we want to see long term. But then there's the other side of Red Sox fans that only see the name on the back of the jersey, like mm-hmm. the Mookie Betts, like the J.D. Martinez, Chris Sale, the, the names, and are going to struggle when he makes a tough decision, even to like the to the lower tier players. Like, for example, Brock Holt. Now, I tweeted, I talked about how I wanted the Red Sox to bring Brock Holt back. I could completely see Bloom not bringing him back. He signs in Arizona, he sends wherever else, wherever he'll go. And there's going to be an uproar around that because we're not looking at it from the long term and what, you know, what his plan is right now, you know? So I'm ready for something different. You know, I liked when the Sox brought in Dombrowski. I liked some of the moves that he made. I knew deep down what it was going to be. But if I think too, if you take a look at this Red Sox team versus the Tigers team that Dombrowski left, there's some similarities, but not much. You know, I think he's left the Red Sox in a better place than he left the Tigers coming here to Boston. You know, with the exception of his albatross was Mickey Cabrera. Now here it's Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's pretty much an unmovable deal, an unmovable contract. But and, and potentially David Price. I, but I mm-hmm. think I think you can move Price. You know, I think that if if you either add in some prospects and and you just swallow that and you send him on his way, or you you eat some money, I think you can move David Price. Um, Chris Sale, I, I'm holding out hope that that whatever is wrong with him can be fixed. Have we heard yet, or have you guys heard? I haven't heard. If uh, he's followed up with Dr. James Andrews for his, uh, you know, to go back and check to see if his Wolverine elbow was kicked in. I haven't heard anything on either pitcher's elbows. Well, Price was his wrist. He had that cyst in his wrist from Fortnite. What we'll oh, call the Fortnite the, cyst. The Fortnite cyst. <laughs> the Fortnite cyst. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about Sale either. Not initial, anything good or bad. When he first uh, went on the I, uh, what is it now? The IL. The IL. Uh, yeah. When he first went on that, supposedly they were going to shut him down for six weeks, and then after the end of the season, he was supposed to go back down to Andrews to get reevaluated. 
and there was still the potential that he may need surgery at that point. Now we're another six weeks past that, and we still haven't heard anything. And I know Sale is very guarded on giving out any information on his medical condition. So maybe the Red Sox have respected that, but you would have thought we would have heard something. And it's been quiet, which scares me a little bit. Yeah, because it sounds like they're going to just work out in the offseason and just pitch him. And that, I think, is a high risk of re-injury. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and, you know, if what do you do for your starting rotation? They already need to replace, potentially, Porcello in the rotation. Uh, you're going to rely on Avaldi. You're going to rely on Price. Yep. You know, you, you've got to bring somebody else in to shore up that rotation. And if and if you're gambling that Sale can be one of those guys and he goes down in spring training, now what are we looking at? Now, would you be surprised, again, with the way the, the money will be laid out and what they're going to be able to spend, would you be surprised if the Boston Red Sox use the opener approach? You know, I would hate that. I personally would hate that. It, it just amazes me that we had teams doing that in the World Series. I, I just can't see that working on a consistent basis because that puts a toll on your bullpen. Now, in September when they did it, you know, they had, what, 20-something guys mm-hmm. in the bullpen. I just – you can't sustain that over the long term, although – Tampa did Tampa it last year. Tampa did, what, yeah. 93 wins, 90 yeah. games, so. But I would really hate that. I, I really would. Ryan Yarbo. You know, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't rule it out. No, I wouldn't be, I, I you know, especially either. with the way the money, you know, if, if you can't go and make a move to get, again, Strasburg's not going to come to Boston. You know, that that's not going to happen unless they were super creative. They're not going to sign Garrett Cole. Those players are not going to come here. It's going to be that second tier, even third tier pitcher that, you know, we're going to have to, you know, that, that typically probably should be a four or a five. It might have to come here in Boston and be that de facto 2-3, especially if one of these guys, you know, now if, if Chris Hill is healthy or healthier and there was an article a couple of days ago on Mass Live that he's, you know, he's suffered no setbacks, continues to do well. New G, uh, the GM, O'Halloran, has said that there's been no setbacks. So let's take that for what it is. So if they come out of the gate and they have a proper spring training with this pitching staff, but I don't know, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't rule out the opener. At least maybe... Instead of a instead of a regular fifth starter, but if if your starters are only going five innings, which is what was happening last year, so then you got to fix that the puts a load on the bullpen. You got to fix that bullpen. And then if every fifth day you've got an opener, so you've got a bullpen game, that's even more of a load on your bullpen. So if if they're gonna try to do something like that, they've got to start getting a consistent six, seven, maybe eight innings out of. Price out of Rodriguez is Evaldi going to give you that? You know, I I just don't see that happening. No, that'd be really tough. And don't forget, like as good as Rodriguez was last year, that was his breakout season. If he goes back and go, turns back into a pumpkin, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So they really do need to shore up that staff. And I do, th- I just, I don't think that their pitching within their organi- organization as a whole can sustain an opener. No, I just hate the whole concept. So now let's let's look at some of the potential moves that, that Bloom is looking at. Now, we all know that the ownership has more or less dictated that they want to get under the luxury tax threshold, which is 208. Right now the Red Sox are at 
ballpark 155. That's without Mookie's arbitration number. That's without Rodriguez getting a bump in pay. That's without guys like Devers and Ben Attendi um, and a lot of the bullpen guys. They're all arbitration mm-hmm. eligible and probably looking at a bump in pay. So it's a pretty safe bet that there's going to be a few guys going. Now, J.D. Martinez opted back in. So that's 23? 23.75. Okay, so yep. you know, round up. Give him 24. Um, so he's so he's on the books. Do they trade him? Do they trade Mookie? Could we see Jackie Bradley Jr. being on the move? He's probably looking at eight. I think it was eight on the books for last year. He'll, he may see a bump up to the $10 million could range. Be, I, I would probably say a good comp for him right now would probably be 11. Not not bad for basically a glove guy. Right. That's why I think he's a candidate to be traded. Uh, maybe priority number one in terms of the quick move, get him off the books, because Mookie's going to take all winter. I think you quick you, you strike now and you trade be, you trade uh, JBJ quick. Yeah, I, I think that trading JBJ is probably, and again, I've been uh, very vocal about JBJ, but I think trading him is probably the way to go, but... I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they do when they if they were to trade him that they don't get much back because I think he's a DFA candidate as well or a non-tender I guess is a better way to put it. Well, that was my question: is do you think they're going to get much for him? I mean, is that is that somebody you can restock your farm system by trading away? And no, I, I, I say no. No, I, I if you're going to trade JBJ, I think get something that's going to impact the major league roster now. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to get anything of substance you can throw down in the system that you can develop. You know what I mean? But I think he's one of the first players. I think you count him out. I, I don't look at him as someone that's on the roster because JBJ. Uh, I'm sorry, JD Martinez opting back in basically says, okay, JBJ, you're out. And I think that JD Martinez as well is, as you know, because there's been some conversation you know on social media where he could be traded. It's not that not that simple because take a look at take a look at the league as a whole, right? JD Martinez really doesn't have any suitors in the NL. You know, you're not going to pay this dude 23 million. You you're going to want him to play 100 plus games a year. That means now you're asking him to play an outfield four or five days in a row. And kind of the track record with him up here in Boston in the short period of time is that he's had to take some time off and he's had to play the field. He had the back issues, there was a foot issue in the past. So take a look at now the the American League. There are teams that can't afford him and there are teams that don't you know, there's probably the White Sox, the Rangers, maybe Toronto. That'd be, you know, in his ballpark. He has the ability that if he was to be traded, where he can block three teams. So with 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 this opt-in. So if you were to go ahead and move him, and say you got to deal with Texas, Texas isn't any closer to winning than the Red Sox are. Why not just stay in Boston? Right, right. But could you see a scenario where they trade JBJ? Say they get, you know, a first baseman maybe. Or a second baseman. Now Martinez is your everyday left fielder, and you move Benatendi over to center. Oof. Would you be? Would you trust him in uh, the outfield every day? Well, I think him playing left in Fenway, he could be serviceable. Yeah. I don't think he would hurt you too much. I think the like same Manny. could be said. I was just about right, to say that. Right. You know, when when the with Manny Ramirez, that was everybody's concern with left field. And he played a he actually played a really good left field. He had some, you know, blemishes out there that 
you know, when he cut off Johnny Damon in the outfields. <laughs> but you know, um, you know, if you if you do if you research a little bit of what some of the uh, the moves the Rays made with Bloom and just some of the players, I'm not really concerned if he was to make a trade, you know, and what he's going to bring back. I mean, if you take a look at the deal he traded Chris Archer to, to Pittsburgh. You know, and the players he got back there. Yeah, Tommy Pham was the the biggest one in that deal, wasn't he? he no, came, Tommy yeah, Pham came was, from St. Louis. St. Oh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. That's right. That's right. He's the name that sticks in my head. Of you know, you bring in a player like that if the if the Red Sox made a trade and brought in a Tommy Pham type. Right. You know the fan base. You know we'd be saying who who is this guy? You know the hardcore right, base, we, the hardcore they, baseball people like you two guys probably would know more about him. But I think your rank and file fan would just be saying, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, they would, but then I mean, we made JB, I mean Brock Holt a thing. So we can, if if you perform, you could be a thing in Boston. Right, but you've got to show it first. You've got to show it, right? But right. like the, the moves like Bloom typically makes, and they they seem to work out. Remember Yandy Diaz? That was the guy in his trade. Everyone scratched their head. He doesn't. He does it. He's good. And uh, maybe the first guy to go is JBJ. I don't think JD will be traded. Because he opted in, I think he had got reassurance. He said something like that, right, guys? Something that he was he felt comfortable he could win and be competitive here. Yeah, he said that was yeah. the reason he decided to stay. I think that and Boris probably didn't have yeah, any I, suitors for him uh, that he could that's make a, more right. Money. That's a hundred percent. That would make sense too. J, JD Martinez just strikes me as a guy that he doesn't. I don't think he really cares where he's going to play. He, you know I mean? he said that. You know, he just go. He, you put him in the lineup. You let him mash. You let him go and do what he's going to get paid to do. You know, again, if you just look at the landscape, look of where where you know where could he have gone to? You know, I, I thought that when when Edwin uh, Encarnacion um, you know wasn't tendered by the, by the Yankees that he could have been a possibility to go to, to New York, but you know clearly these guys have the pulse on what's happening in baseball with all these executives to have an idea where, what's going to happen. So him staying in Boston is is not they're gonna they're gonna go ahead and paint the picture. There wasn't a market. And, and if there was, it wasn't at 23.75 or whatever that number is. It just wasn't there. So, Martinez in Yankee Stadium with that short right field porch. Wow. That's a Insane. scary thought. Scary thought. But they've got an albatross around their neck with a Stanton contract right now. That's bad. Which they can they're afford. They're still in the dock for. What is it? It's still over $200 million that they're on the hook for, right? Uh, so, more than that, I think. Don't forget Jeez. what they still owe to. Jaco- they still owe Jacoby Ellsbury a ton of money too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He the guy hasn't played in three years. No, man. That's sad. From what he was here, going to there and then just falling off the face of the earth. So, you know, it's not just um, JBJ though. If if you're going to be trading and, and try to get under that 208 level, um, th- there's going to have to be some other guys that go and whatever you bring in is going to be. Low price talent. I mean, you know, you've got first base, second base, and you can probably throw Chavis at one of those two positions and mm-hmm. hope that he can do it. I don't know if Dahlback is ready to come up yet and play first base. He's looked good though in that. Um, he has uh, for, the for, Team yeah, USA. The U12, yeah. Yeah, he has, but I mean, that's that's not the major leagues. Exactly. So, you know, is is he ready yet? Maybe he's more of a midseason call up. Um, we'll see. But, you know, you've got some – Matt, somebody's at the door. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've got uh, – you know, you still got to shore up your bullpen. You, you can't go into the season with a bullpen configured the way it is. So there, I, I think there's going to be some other guys that are going to have to go. And the question is, is Mookie one of them? Or do they roll the dice and 
see where they are come the trade deadline. I, I I'm afraid to do that because now if you're competitive and let's say you're I, I won't say they're in first place, but if if they're in that wild card hunt, say they're the one or two and they're in there, you know why? What well, you're not going to move them. And I I really think that it's going to be hard for us, whether they win the World Series or not, say next year, to accept just getting a compensatory pick for Mookie right. Betts. Right. You know, and I just look at the I don't even call it cap jail because we don't have a salary cap in baseball, but just look at the cap jail that they're in right now. I I can't see the Red Sox right now, after what Dombrowski did with some of these contracts, investing a deal around thirty five, forty million for Mookie Betts. I, I just I can't see it. Well, I can't see them doing that and I can't see him agreeing to it either. Not now. No, I, he's gonna go. He's gonna he's gonna hit free agency. No, who knows? Maybe they 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 deal him and then in free agency they wow him. But I don't I don't see. I think once he's gone, he's gone. But if you're going to keep Mookie Betts and you're gonna make that work, the key, in my opinion, to do that is you need to move David Price. You take that thirty-two million dollars and then you allocate it in that direction. If you can, I mean, if you move if him, you you're probably gonna have to eat at least half of that which is going to work against your salary cap or your luxury tax. So, you know, how much can you really free up by moving him? And the question is, what are you going to get back in return? You know, with his injury history over the last few years, are you going to be able to get a decent return enough so that that benefits you? I think he goes to a team. That's the ultimate question with David Price, certainly. No, if you're going to move him, he needs to – David Price, if you think about his career in the Red Sox – the only, I think, positive highlight was that postseason when they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. You know, what he did down the stretch of right, the postseason. Right. There's nothing else during his tenure. I was I was excited when they signed him. And then he just, he's, and not that these guys ever live up to these contracts. When you have these huge contracts, the expectations are so low because the money is so high. No one is going to live up. Trout isn't going to live up to that money. I mean, Harper, I mean, the first year. You know what I mean? So these players aren't going to live up to this money. But but Price was your ace up until the midway point last season, up until about the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah he's pitching he, good. He was your ace and then just fell off the table. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, what if now let's just say that he is going to trade bets. It's 100% happening. What do you think they'll get for him? Do you think they'd get a high-end prospect or do you think they would try to make like a football trade player for player? That's a good question. You know, I heard an interview with um, Dan Duquette, who was in the same situation last year with Manny Machado. And mm-hmm. he said that the offers that, you know, they looked to move Manny in the offseason and that the the market wasn't that good for him. No, they weren't getting the prospects that they thought they would get because wow. teams, teams knew the situation that they were in. Right. He, he said they actually got a better package for him at the trade deadline. Because teams were willing to give up more because they thought, you know, the, I, you know, the Dodgers were were in the running and they were willing to give up more at that point. Right. No, I, mean, I, I agree. I think that the bet the bet situation. I don't think it's he's taking it personal with the Red Sox saying I won't sign with the Red Sox. I think he's saying I won't sign before free agency. Right. So I think whoever trades for bets is in the same boat the Red Sox are. 
you can't really extend him. So do you, if you're not winning, do you trade up the deadline? So I think maybe that is the answer for Bloom is he holds on to him and trades him at the deadline if he can get more. And I come back to the Nationals. You know, is was it the same thing? They lost Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. And they go on and win the World Series. So, you know, it's not unprecedented that you can no, lose your big-time but... free agent and come back and, and still be competitive and win. But they – what they had though with the Red Sox don't have is they had Soto, you know, where Harper Harper's gone, Soto plugs right in there, mm-hmm. you know. So well, um, you've got Devers that's on the you rise. got Devers, you, you know, there's that, yeah. a comp. You you do, but if I'm building the team, and I guess it's a good thing for some people I'm not building the team, <laughs> um, my fantasy baseball history, um, I I think you move them. I think you move them now. That way you don't have the distraction in the season. Because if, if they go into the season with him, that is going to be a distraction in itself until he's either moved or signed. Right, right. You know, you know, my other question with him is, which guy is he? You know, he's had the alternating years. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big two, what, three years ago was the runner-up to Trout for the MVP. Then, you know, had a down year. Still a good year by most players' standards, but a down year. And then he had his own MVP season, and then a down year. Again, mm-hmm. a, a really good year, but not to his standards. There's also his playoff record, which he has not been performing. He has not performed well in the playoffs, and it's not a small sample size. No. No. Not at all. So, and the other thing that scares me with him is his size. Is he going to hold up and be the type of player he is? You know, if you give him a long-term deal... When he gets into his 30s, is he going to start to break down? Is he going to be Andrew McCutcheon? Because that's, right. that's the same type of player that I see. In and him. I'm okay with him being Andrew McCutcheon, but just not at $35 million a Well, year. that's the thing. Yeah, you know? if you're, if you're going to commit that chunk of salary to somebody. He, you know, if Trout, yeah, you give him the money. And mm-hmm. he has his own injury issues. Seems like every year he's, sure. he's uh, hurt. But, but he's special every year. Right, right when he's healthy. Yeah, well, he even the last. I think they said he's finished first or second in the MVP in the last seven of eight healthy seasons. And the one season where he was unhealthy, he had fourth place. So like that's consistency in, in production. Yeah, right. And I, and I was really surprised that he won it again this year. Yeah. I oh yeah, say, I didn't think he was gonna win it. I think we all picked Bregman with our uh, mm-hmm. predictions in our first podcast. I, I thought he got robbed. Maybe I don't know. Maybe knocking on the old uh, trash can. Swayed a couple old school voters. You know, so someone someone mentioned that on Twitter, and I, I sometimes under my own personal Twitter, I try not to go back at people with certain things because I just try to take that, you know, just move on and read it. But the voting was done before the playoffs. Oh right, no, you know, absolutely. so to say like, and I know you were joking, but I know to say like, oh, he didn't get the votes. Um, no, the the. Freaking voting was done before that. Like right. that fires me up. Also, I do have a little man crush on Alex Bregman. You know, I, I've always like, <laughs> like I wish that he, you know, when he got drafted by the Sox, that, that could have worked out because, you know, the thoughts of him being on, you know, that side of the diamond with uh, Bogarts and maybe move Devers to first and gives me the warm and fuzzies inside. Maybe it'll happen someday. Maybe. Although he signed an extension. He signed a season, very, right? very, mm-hmm. and that extension yeah. though. It, for the player that he is, it's not big money. No, no. It's like a hundred. It's like a hundred. It, it's okay. Sorry, I love myself some Alex Bregman. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Do you need to be alone for a little bit? No. We're good. No. Okay, you're good. 
Bill, does he, does, is he fully clothed? Is, he is. is Chris Evans he is fully clothed. Yes. yes. I, I know okay. we've had talks on our podcast in the past about taking your pants off and running through the neighborhood. <laughs> that is not happening here. <laughs> so, I think we've uh, I think we've come to the consensus that we have no idea what this team is going to do nope. in the off season. But I don't I don't envy Bloom. I don't. But you know what though? This is the first off season in a really long time where like, for me. I'm excited by it because I just don't know what to expect. And even before we went on the air with this podcast, we were talking just kind of briefly about there's been there hasn't been a lot of chatter. Like from the Mookie Betts perspective, yes, everybody's gonna speculate. People need to write articles. People need to get content out there in all aspects of you know the media. But just in general, very very quiet. And to me, that can be a really good thing because they're going to make a move that's going to surprise probably the hell of you know they're going to surprise us all and i i think that it's going to be refreshing i think just the way that they're doing business right now it just i like it is that because they're being quiet or is it just because people aren't paying attention i mean you've got the patriots getting off to an eight no start before they lost their first game i think the the celtics and bruins both off to good starts Mm mm-hmm is it just we're not paying attention to the Red Sox? No, right I think now? I think people are paying closer attention to what we actually think. You know what I mean? Because you think about the last couple of weeks, there you know, it feels like the Patriots just haven't been on TV between like the Thursday game and then there's the breaks and then you figure the Sunday games has been you know they just it doesn't feel like they've been on TV and then it, even though they lost to the Ravens, it feels like years ago right now with mm. the lack of football. But um, yeah, I mean the C's, yeah, they're they're the best team in basketball right now record wise, but. There's not a lot of chatter about it. You know, the Bruins is what it is right now. They're playing well. But it, there's always going to be for the, even the offseason, this, this, you know, with the Red Sox, there's so much uncertainty. I, that's To me, I'm excited by it, no matter well, what they do. I think because we're baseball fans, you know, that's our favorite sport. I don't want to speak for you guys, but it's mine. Um, you know, we're in tune with it. I, I just don't know if Joe Average fan is really caring that much about the Red Sox right now, especially where they didn't make the playoffs. Do you guys think that might be a good thing, that Bloom can kind of fly under the radar and make decisions without a lot of pressure? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it is a good thing for him. Right. Because he does not – I don't envy the job that he's going to have to do now. It's very tricky. Yeah, it is. It is. And I and I hope he can get creative with it and come up with some uh, out-of-the-box thinking because that, that's what's going to be needed. The, the next winter Absolutely. meetings, the next – you know, the winter meetings that just went through – that lays the foundation of what we're going to see coming up. Lays the foundation from a free agent, you know, conversation. I mean, there's already been that one free agent move. Um, Smith. Smith signing with Will the Braves. Will Smith, to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting jiggy with the Braves. You know, <laughs> and the left-hander, not the catcher. Yeah. Right. You know, th- th- was it th- uh, thirty-nine million dollars over three years? So. Um, Which was surprising because the last few years, absolutely nothing has been done at the GM meeting. No, not at all. So it's kind of surprising, and and we've seen over the past couple of years the free agents they linger on into february just before spring training starts mm-hmm. you know so we probably won't see any when it when is the uh owners meeting that's generally beginning of december yeah first first of december, december, early first december, december yeah. yeah we're about two weeks away so um but i i have a feeling just even outside of the red sox i think this off season has the uh, the possibility where they're going to see some fireworks there's a lot of names out there that could be dealt um you know, Cleveland, who, you know, they were competitive all year, but they traded Bauer in the middle of the season, was still was still competitive. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Kluber. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if he went to the New York Yankees. I feel like the Yankees are due for a splash. They didn't really have that. I don't see Gregorius going back. You know, he could go back to the NL. You know, the, the Reds need a shortstop. There could be a spot there. You know, does the Yankees go out and talk to Cleveland? Maybe they don't get Kluber, but they get Lindor. Mm. You know, would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. No. They have the prospects. I think it surprises me more when the Yankees don't make a move. Because you always expect they're going to be in on the big-name guys. Are they going right. to be in on Strasburg? You know, are they going to look to build their rotation? Are they going to be in on Strasburg? Are they going to go after a Kluber? You know, are they going to go after Cole, mm-hmm. Garrett Cole? You know, I, Trade I expect, for Lindor. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect them to do something because they've been knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, what, uh, the last two years? So yeah. They, they're well, they want... also, yeah, DS, two years in a row. Yeah. So... It, I think that you know I I would like to see the Red Sox position themselves for the next couple of years of free agency because there's there's going to be you know the next couple of years free agent class you know there, there's some significant players you know you're not going to be active to the players that the casual fan's going to want to see you know the casual fan wants to see them sign Garrett Cole not happening he's probably no. going to go to the Angels you know what I mean I wouldn't be surprised he went to the Dodgers or a team like that you know I think he's going to go out west so. I'm excited. I, I love this time of year. This is this is my favorite time of year for for baseball. You know, it it's just all the moves that can happen, and then you know, then we can Monday morning quarterback while the Red Sox didn't do what they did or whichever. And that's why we're here talking about it, even though it's mm-hmm. no, even though it's November and it's and it's cold out. Oof. Couple couple Hot more. Over the cold winter. Okay, yeah, it's starting early. Uh, a couple of more minor issues. Daniel Lavangi out as pitching coach. Uh, allegedly, it was because the team management ownership pushed for more analytics, and that didn't sit well with Levangi. And reports were that him, he and Cora would actually spend a lot of time arguing over it instead of preparing the pitchers mm-hmm. during the regular season. So he's out. He's been reassigned, which is, a, you know, Nice way of saying you're fired. You're still getting paid, though. Yeah, air quotation fingers. Um, (laughs) He's gone. Um, I don't think they've hired his replacement yet, have they? Yeah. They did? Yeah, um, David Bush. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who I know absolutely nothing about. Uh, Neither do I. Uh, What about you, Chris? Do you know anything about uh, Mr. Bush? Well, I know that he, uh, he pitched for the Rangers and for the Blue Jays. Uh, let's see here. I'm pulling up some statistics, right? I also pitched for the, uh, the Brewers as well, but, um, he, he was, uh, named the minor league pitching coordinator for the Red Sox back in January of this past year. Uh, he served as a pitching coach in China and South Africa. Interesting. I'm pumped about this move. (laughs) Awesome. Well-traveled young man. Oh, is he young? I don't know. I think he's I think he's late 30s, early if, 40s. If he was the Red Sox minor league pitching coordinator and they had absolutely no help from the minor leagues last <laughs> year, so I'm not putting a lot of faith in this and, one. And Levangi, he uh, he interviewed with the Cubs yes. for a potential role in their coaching staff. Now that they they've hired David Ross, Napoli yes. is also on that coaching staff. Is he really? Mike Napoli. Wow. We're gonna have some parties out there. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's been quite a few uh, managerial changes. I don't know if we want to touch on that uh, 
briefly, but Madden left the Cubs, went to the Angels. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely no surprise there that he ended up back with the Angels because he was their bench coach before he went to manage the Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Ross, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, got the job in Chicago. How, how do you feel about that? Do you see him as Madden 2.0? No, I don't. Or a brush, uh, like a breath of fresh air? Uh, well, I'm sure he's a breath of fresh air. I mean, Madden just, you know, he's he's got that whole I'm the smartest guy in the room personality, you know, and that 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 wears on you after a while. Um, you know, some of his quirky things that he did, you know, I I can just see that that just like I said, wearing on you after a while. Whether Ross is qualified to come in and manage, you know, is is it more of like I I think of Mike Matheny, um, shortly after his playing days were over, and then you know he gets the job managing the Cardinals. To mm-hmm. me, to me, going in your first gig as the Cubs, I, I think that at first, you know, I think it gives me a lot of excitement around him. But does it come back to haunt them for his inexperience, right? Managing a team, you look, know, in, look at in, Gabe in, Kapler, right? Same situation. Who just ended up getting a job with the Giants? The Giants. Same friend, yeah, yeah. So and uh, Joe Girardi is back too. I like He's that. He's in the Phillies. Got the Phillies. Job. I like that because yeah. what what's good about that is that that's that's a team that's kind of in a win now. Yeah. You know. So and he's a win now coach, or manager. Um. So I, I like that move. You know, no nonsense. I think he's going to add some stability to a team that probably needs it. You know, I think he has the ability to manage. You know, some some personalities, and you know, Harper has that personality. So I think mm-hmm. that's a good move. I think that's yeah, probably he's got some, some cachet. I think if you look at all of the all of the new managers that were named, I think that that's probably the most sound move that anybody could have made, and why these other teams weren't in on him. I just question him. He got ran, run out of Florida. Yeah, he was only there a year. There, you know, and did well. He did, and got run out, and then he got run out of the Yankees when he did well. So does he wear out his welcome too fast? We'll see. We'll see in Philly. Uh, Matheny that we mentioned, he's. Uh, his Kansas Royals. City. Yeah. Uh, I like that too. I, you know, I, I Well he stayed in state. I like it. The uh the other one, well, some guy named Tingler in San Diego, <laughs> who I've who I've never heard of. Um and the other one, notable one is Carlos Beltran, another recent player. Yep. Uh being given a shot and in New York. I mean, you want to do something like that in St. Louis or you know, some of some of these other cities, but to do it in New York, that's gonna be a tough one. I think for him. Yeah, so Beltran could be the guy though. Beltran's well respected. He has a great baseball IQ, and he was always destined to manage. It is a little shocking that it's this early though. Right, right. To to kind of like circle back, Tingler. First off, um, I don't even know what his first name is. <laughs> he uh, he has a relationship with uh, with with um, the GM out in, in San Diego. He was a candidate to go to them. Before they hired Green, uh, you know, so he could be Green 2.0. At the end of the day, I, I don't really care because it's in San Diego and there's really no bearing on us. But that hiring a guy like that that just really doesn't have that, you know, he's not really known to us. You know what I mean? Like, is that that's the type of move that can get you fired? Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm actually surprised that Preller hasn't been fired yet out in San Diego with just some of the with some of what he's done. But do you think he had some hopes that maybe he could get Bochi to come back? That yeah. was the rumor. Yeah, they were going after Bochi. And I, yeah. and I, you know what? I, I see him maybe sitting out a year and he comes back. You know, or sitting a little bit long. I, I don't. I think he'll be back. 
but the uh, but well, Bel- but Beltran though, I I like that. That's a good move I think for the Mets. You know, because to to Matt's point, he does have that baseball IQ. He does, you know, he'll command that presence. You know what I mean? It's a big market. He's played, you know, he played there. He played it with the Mets and with the Yankees. You know what I mean? He was in the Yankees front office, you know, with um with Cashman. So kind of being groomed in a couple different ways, minus within the dugout. But I think I, I think that's a sound move. Mm-hmm. Again, to me, the the best move of all those was is Girardi going to the Phillies, Madden going to the Angels. It's just whatever. You know what I mean? Like we knew that was gonna happen. So, um, it, the the thing though is with the Mets, it's they just gotta put it together because they got a decent team. Right, right. Oh, they've got the pitching, that's for sure. Which could one of those pitchers come to Boston? But could Bel- can Beltran handle a pitching staff? I mean, if you have a former catcher like a Matheny stepping in as a manager without much experience, at least the catcher has some knowledge of like what Kevin, a staff like Kevin Cash in Tampa. Exactly. But you know, with an outfield former outfielder like Beltran. Can he handle a pitching staff? You know, I think that's w- remains to be seen. So the last uh, the last thing is Pittsburgh is still without a manager, but they just hired a new GM yesterday, a name people might remember, Ben Sherrington, mm-hmm. former Red Sox GM. Big Ben. He's he's resurfaced. Another another guy I think uh, got a short shrift when uh, the Red Sox booted him out. Yeah, just uh, I, barely a year after winning a World Series. I agree. And you know what? I, what actually I would like to to kind of find out though is. You know, for example, he 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 built a really good, or and continued to build a really good farm system after Theo left. You know what I mean? A lot of the players that's on the roster right now were from Charrington drafts. Right. Right. Um, now we can second guess and and talk about the Hanley signing and then Pablo, but I guess my question would be though, was that him or was that ownership saying like? I think ownership influenced Pablo more than than him. I think so too. I, I think agree. he wanted Hanley. I think that he wanted Hanley because he was with the organization back when Hanley was was with the Sox before mm-hmm. he got traded uh, to get Beckett and Lowell. So I think that Hanley's him. I think he wears that. But Pablo's not him. No. I'm convinced of that. Pablo was the sexy signing. It was the splash mm-hmm. in the off season. That's what they needed at that time to try to regenerate interest in the team and you know and get the ratings up for Nesson. I just think that he's one of those guys though, that falls in love with his young players and doesn't do anything with them. Right. Because not all of them can play. Right. You know what I mean? So that's going to, I think, work a little bit in Pittsburgh because he, that's an ownership that isn't going to invest in the product in the field. They've never been known to do that. That's a team that, again, like a Tampa Bay, that's going to have to be creative. I think that he's the right guy to be creative and be able to, you know, going to bring in those smaller, smaller market type contract players to that team. But... For him, the first thing I would do, I would I would trade Chris Archer and I'd get as much back as I can for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, he's really their only marketable player. A, a team like mm-hmm. again, if there's a team looking for pitch, uh, New York, he was rumored to go to the to them at the deadline. You know, if you can get a prospect or two for him, deuces, see you later. Mm-hmm. I Starling Marte, I, he is their number one. He, really, the only thing that's on that roster, with the exception of Archer, but they also have the, they have their, their first baseman Bell, who I think that they could move as well. Um, Had a breakout season last he year. Did, so he's, you know what I mean? So you're selling high on him, and I think you should because there's conversation like, do you extend him? I think if you take a look at baseball, pitching is what you need to invest in because you can get bats anywhere. You know, to the point where even Matt was mentioned earlier with one of the moves that Tampa Bay made to get Yandy Diaz. Mm-hmm. I mean, that dude came out of nowhere. He hit. A ton of bombs for Tampa, even in the playoffs too. So you can find hitting. It's that pitching that is. It's like finding a quarterback in football. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you need to find that pitching. I think Charrington, he's got some pieces to move. I, I like that move. You know, he's just got to find a manager. Right. Right. Yeah, that's step one. Last thing that I had on the agenda. Well, you know, we put together an agenda. Here's, here's a little inside baseball for you. We put together agendas, and then I, I always add something if we need to stretch. And we, ne- <laughs> we never need to get to those. So I'm, no. I'm, I'm just going to leave that out. But the last the last small bit of Red Sox news uh, from the offseason was Tony LaRusso left, which I was surprised he stayed at all after Dombrowski was ousted. Uh, but now he's gone. He's gone to the Angels. Um, do we have a problem with this? Does anybody think it's uh, it's a huge loss? No, because no. that front office is old. You know, they, they had an old mindset to baseball. You know what I mean? Again, the Red Sox, while we talk a lot about analytics, didn't really have a very big analytic department like some teams have. You know, so Dombrowski, you know, that he's an older mindset of how he builds his team. Frank Wren, same thing. So, and, you know... Let's call it for what it is. The only reason why they hired Larusa was he was babysitting Cora right off the bat, anyway. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you had a brand new manager, and here he's, you know, you had an experienced, you know, uh, ma- uh, former manager in Larusa. So no. So the training wheels are off for Cora. This is a make or break year for Cora. You know what I mean? If this team struggles, it, de- it depends how they're built. But if they if they struggle and they're they're built to be competitive, I'm not wouldn't be shocked at the uh, you know I, I see Bloom wanting to bring in his own guy. I mean, he's got a good he's got a good manager in Cora, but if they if they struggle, I would not be shocked if if they move on from him. He won't get canned in the season. I it would be at the end, but I wouldn't be shocked if they move on and we go through a manager, you know, interview process that we'll be talking mm. about next year. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't see him losing his job unless they really really go in the tank. Yeah, it'd be a bad, it'd be a dumpster fire this year. Or if that or if that uh, cheating scandal is a lot deeper than what we're currently being. You know, right. told right now. If, if it's a lot deeper and there's more to it, and he was even, you know, more advanced than what it is, but we shall find out more, guys. Any closing thoughts? Well, for me, one is that I'm happy that I'm closer to the microphone this time, and that you guys are going to get to hear me. So, you know, some really good points that a lot of people missed out on. Um, no, I'm just, I'm really excited for this off season. You know, I'm really, really excited to see what this team is going to do. And not only just the Red Sox, but other teams. You know what I mean? This is this is my Christmas. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I'm excited, and I'm at you know. So just be patient. There'll be some uh, some additional content coming out very, very soon with uh, some things in my opinion that if I was the Red Sox, what I would try to do, and some like minor style moves. Some players I'm gonna throw out there in articles. You can be like, who the hell is this kid even talking about? You know, because I did that with the Patriots, and they signed mm-hmm. Lacoste, but he really didn't do anything. So, yeah. Uh, but I called that one. <laughs> so, Matt, any closing thoughts? I can't really follow it up. I, that was great, Chris. Well said. I'm just very excited for the Red Sox, and you know, we'll be back doing some more of these. I hope you guys love it. I hope so. I, we were scheduled to go a couple of weeks ago. We ran into uh, a couple of snags, but uh, we were able to get it together today. So. It's been a lot of fun talking baseball with you guys. Uh, really looking forward to the next time we can do it, maybe after the GM meetings. Uh, not the GM meetings, the owners' meetings. Yeah, the uh, winter meetings. Right. So maybe we'll maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll know a little bit more about how this team is going to be constituted for next year. You know what's going to happen though? The second that we sign off. Oh yeah, there's going to be breaking news. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's like a syndicate yep. given. You know, as soon as we as soon as we do a podcast, something big happens. 
cursing wagons and news breaking out the second we start recording. That's that's what we're known for. I see new merchandise coming out. <laughs> James, get on that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, why don't you plug yourselves where you are on Twitter and where people can find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Chris Henrik. Very, very simple. So uh, you'll see my mug right on there for my picture. And uh, so I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. Don't do much with Instagram, but I, that might change soon. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, pretty much anywhere on any social media. I am Matty Westside, M-A-T-T-Y underscore W-E-S-T, the number one, D-E. Excellent. And if you want to find their articles on our website, bostonsportssyndicate.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Boston Sports Sin, S-Y-N. And you can also check us out on Facebook and on Instagram at Boston Sports Syndicate. And remember, if you are going to a sporting event or a concert or anything else that you can buy tickets through SeatGeek, use the code BSS and you get, I can't remember if it's 20% or 20 bucks, but 20 you'll, bucks. 20 bucks. you'll save some money is the bottom line. <laughs> Matt, Chris. Save that money. Save that money. Matt, Chris, thank you again for joining me. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. We'll catch you later. Take it easy. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.